Hello fellow homebrewers, JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brewbuilt Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full 2-inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brewbuilt line of options and add like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brewbuilt X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brewbuilt Conicals. You can trust Brewbuilt with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brewbuilt at morebeer.com. Great beer is about drinkability. Doesn't matter the style. You guys are like walking beer Wikipedia. That's the first time that you've ever accepted me as a person. Or you have a fermentation in your gut. I'm jet propelled at all times. (laughs) How many guys do you think that you have the privilege to slap? Somebody who's never tasted a commercial example. And this is how you know everything about this beer? Please, you don't. I think it's bullshit. (laughs) I think it's bullshit, too. Wow. Are you guys going to arm wrestle? No. No. They're going to teabag fight. You heard of Junkyard Wars? Can I get another high five, Beavis? (laughs) Now, live from the Brewing Network Studios in Northern California, this is the radio program for home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, and beer geeks. It's your only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers together with, well, expert drinkers. This is the radio program with a head on it. This is The Session. All right, everybody, welcome to the session. I'm here with uh, Kim Shimke, the notorious Kim Shimke, and the extra notorious uh, Dave Malalala from Flat Tail Brewing Company. Howdy. Hi. Hi, friends. Today's show is going to be good, of course, because, number one, because Kim is here. Uh, I'm sorry, because Dave is here. Uh, but Dave is in a lot of trouble lately, and uh, Dave has been put through the ringer. So all of the stress and kind of bull crap that everybody else sort of is going through. I feel like we're all sort of living our own personal soap operas, right? With the whole co- – see, I heard that. That I heard I heard you done. Hello, Kevin. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, with COVID and either you're locked down or you're going to the beach or, you know what I mean, you you have a mask or you put a lace thong on your nose to go to the store. Like you're, you're in one camp or the other, really. Well, I did that one before COVID. But. Sure. Well, right. Well, that's how you got your nickname in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but Dave, you've sort of done it. You've done a lot in the last what yeah. two months, three months, something like that. Uh, I mean, since since we were shut down. Yeah, sure, man. Yeah, six months. Uh, well, I guess just shy of six months. So okay. the the first shutdown order came March sixteenth. Yeah, uh, but there was a lot of kind of back and forth prior to that so you know we and when i say we i mean the corvallis brewing slash pub slash bar kind of industry really started feeling this in late january 
we had already had a, a pretty record abysmal winter up until that point. And then once the news started ticking up late January, early February, people just weren't coming out. And really? uh, by the that? time we hit March, there was a lot of talk about like, hey, we might have to do something. We might have to shut down. We might have to put these restrictions in order. But there was never a time frame. And what really killed us, uh, you know, the last weekend we were open on Friday, uh, Governor Brown came out and said, I'm not going to shut the state down. Okay. And then on Saturday, she said, I might shut the state down. <laughs> right. And then on Sunday, she said, I'm probably not going to shut the state down. Okay. And then on Monday, she shut the state down. Well, like any so, good politician, there's no, you know, direct course of action. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, that was like the first point where we realized, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. This is this is not going to be a little couple week business impact. This is going to be something huge. Um, you know, last year, uh, the weekend before March 16th, you know, that that was a 15 uh, actually it was an eighteen thousand dollar weekend as far as gross revenue at the pub. And the weekend before the shutdown this year, we did just under five. Say that again, please. Uh, I'm sorry. We did just under 5,000 as opposed wow. to almost 20 in that three-day period. And it was very clear that people didn't want to go out. They were scared. They had no idea what was happening. We were getting news A from this side, news B from this side. It's no big deal. It's a huge deal. You're all going to die. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Oregon in general has has responded well to this whole thing and our infection rates have been low our death rates been low but part of that is is that i think we we have a kind of state culture that listens to our leaders and when they started (laughs) treating this seriously so did the average consumer yeah what does that feel like i mean in california you you have certain sections of the state that do that and then other sections that here. That think science doesn't even matter, like Orange yeah. County, where where yeah, you know politicized. Yeah, Orange sure. County, Disneyland is, but then L.A. County is sort of okay. The northern part of the state is always sort of like you know what? If it doesn't come in twelve gauge, I don't want it. That, that those kind of people. They make a ten. See, well, now <laughs> we're just going to rethink some things. You are the Fauci of of uh, gauges. But like out here where, where I live in Oakley, you had most people not, but some people wearing masks. And it's like, yeah. so for, from my perspective, it, it sort of makes me uncomfortable with, with whatever, whatever I chose, right? It's because I am sort of like a herd animal to a certain extent where if I feel better, I feel reinforced if people around me are doing the thing that I want to do. Yeah. You know absolutely. what I mean? I mean, I, I think in general people just wanted to have some kind of direction. Um, and, you know, I, I can speak for not only myself, but I think a majority of brewery owners in Oregon prior to the shutdown, immediately prior to the shutdown, we were all just saying, please, for the love of God, shut it down. Yeah. Because right now we can't make insurance claims. Uh, we, we have no reason officially for this horrendous business, but the reason is obviously COVID and Prior to the shutdown, you know, I, I could go to my landlord and say, I can't pay rent this month. And he can say, well, what? Why? 
you know, and, and I can say global fucking pandemic all day long, but until I get a governor's order, I can't really substantiate that. Okay. You know, I can say these are our numbers last year and the year before, and these are our numbers now, and they can easily say, well, maybe that's because you did this or this happened and it's an industry-wide thing, whatever. You're not bringing enough hazy IPA. That's why. So much hazy fucking IPA. Yeah. It's all I brewed the last six months. Uh, so we were, we were almost relieved when we got shut down and and I, that's hard to say because, you know, we weren't, it was myself and a number of regulars and other industry members, you know, uh, (laughs) hugging, probably not smart at that point. No. Uh, and you know, crying over like, will this be the last pint we ever have at this bar? We didn't know, Mm -hmm. but at least once the shutdown order came, we were thinking, okay, if they're going to shut us all down, they've got to do something to help us reopen. Because you obviously just can't tell a business that it can have no revenue for month after month and then just like, hey, everything's cool. Open back up and you'll make it all back. And then, you know, the first week went by Mm -hmm. and we were thinking, news is coming. Help's coming. The life raft is on its way news of of the state helping you out and trying to bail you out and feds somebody we just assumed something was going to happen you know because our a a hundred plus seat operation like flat tail was we're talking about fixed costs per month with rent utilities taxes everything else uh, around ninety thousand dollars a month and that's without like uh food costs i would imagine right you're just talking yeah. Just to be there, fixed, to be open. Yeah, okay. uh, so we keep racking up bills without being able to, to open. Yeah. And, and we keep, you know, thinking help is coming, help is coming. Something's going to happen. And then finally the PPP loan comes out and everyone's ecstatic. And then we all read the fine print and it's like, well, how do I hire back 75% of my 40 person staff when I can't operate as a restaurant? And that's the only way to have this loan forgiven. Because how many people are, are operating on the brewery side? Myself, a full-time sales guy and a part-time warehouse manager. (laughs) And then then I have 37 employees on the pub. Okay. Yeah. But you can't sit inside. You can't sit outside at that point, I think. So, right. We had no expanded outdoor seating. Uh, They had uh, by, I want to say, April or no, May, I believe it was. I can't remember exactly, but they had allowed takeout. But (laughs) trying to say that you can pivot your business from 100%, not 95% dine-in to only takeout and expecting that to be profitable is just, that's not how things work. Hmm. And to expect us to be able to meet those fixed costs selling to-go burgers and fries and salads and stuff like that, it was just impossible. So I made the decision to say, we're not going to try to reopen for takeout, knowing full well that there's no way I can hire back 30 people to handle a limited takeout menu. Uh, so, So I ended up going the route of the EIDL loan, which is the Economic Injury Disaster Loan. Okay. Uh, it was a lot more flexible in terms of what you could spend the money on. However, you know, it wasn't forgiven, but 
3% interest over 30 years for $150,000. That's good. That's cheap money, that's, dude. That's hard to pass up. Yeah. Um, and we heard nothing back from the SBA. When you applied? After you applied, uh, you didn't hear anything. Yeah, back. we applied. No response. No response. Uh, and then finally, sometime late May, I finally got a response. It was like, hey, your loan's moving on to the next stage. Oh, uh, <laughs> Great. Right. You've been pre-approved. Yeah. Next step is is funding. And, you know, one of the conditions is that you can't move the location of your business. Well, at that point, I had gotten an eviction notice, which we can certainly delve into more. But oh, uh, yes, please. So I, I, I contact the SBA and I say, hey, I'm not going to be at the same address. I have a new location worked out, but I need permission from you guys to take this money. I don't want to sign the documents to close this until I know that I can spend the money. Weeks go by, no response. I'm emailing uh, three different email addresses. I'm calling two different phone numbers, basically like the unemployment system, uh, which thank God my wife's a teacher and isn't working right now. Uh, she called about 4,000 times before we got through to the unemployment department for my like, claim. I feel like that's an exaggeration, but okay. It, it is literally not. Uh, <laughs> she called 2,500 times in one week and then we got it. And then they immediately canceled it. And she called another several thousand times the next week. Uh, I mean, we got 17 checks in one day. I'm when sorry. They finally put it out. How many checks did you get? 17. For the same amount? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you're fine. So, so how many Teslas did you buy with that? Right. I, I paid down my credit card by 30%. <laughs> All right. So... Uh, the SBA nightmare is actually still going. Uh, <laughs> I got an email from them finally three weeks ago, and they said, your loan's been funded. You have the money. What's the problem? And I said, I don't have the money. It says I've been funded on the SBA web portal, but I have no money. I've called the bank. There have been no attempts to transfer the money into my account. Uh -huh. And I still haven't received a response for the change of address issue. Uh, the only thing I received as far as the, the change of address was this like copy and pasted from word into the body of an email questionnaire. <laughs> I love it. And it was so poorly put together. There were actually only one or two applicable questions to my situation. You know, example being question one is like, uh, how will the move impact your financial situation? One A, if you're purchasing the building, there was no B or C. <laughs> and I'm not purchasing the building. Right. And you've so already how moved. How do I answer that question? Well, and you're already gone, right? Are you gone at this right. point? Yeah. Yeah. No, we, <laughs> so, we had we had been out of the building for a week or two by that point. Well, you know. Use your own bubble and then fill it in yourself. Right. That's right. It, and then, you know, a couple questions down the line, it's like, what's your financial situation? <laughs> <laughs> Waiting <laughs> on you. Balance sheets, <laughs> tax returns, P&Ls. Like, I, yeah. I just answered with super great if you give us some money. Like, what am I supposed to say? You know, I don't know. And my legal advice <laughs> was to be like as vague as possible okay. while answering the questions they asked. That was so, your legal advice. Somebody that who was legal advice went to law school told you to do that. Yeah. Uh huh. Damn. Damn, they said brother. clearly that this, this just no one knows what's going on. Yeah. So just answer their questions and hope they just say yes. I mean, I, I feel uh, like a, a couple things. Number one, it's probably your fault for, for getting kicked out and having to go through this. So there's, oh, there's that. 
Uh, let's just bring it to like an abuser level. But also, like it, it does sort of highlight how quickly our government had to react to this kind of stuff. It's a lot like people going to homeschooling. I'm sure Teresa can speak on the homeschooling, where what teachers had a couple of days to figure out how to teach 200 kids or whatever. Um, well, and that went predictably unwell. So, you know, who who would think the SBA would do any better? <laughs> yeah, it is. It sounds like the DMV would have been more appropriate. <laughs> you know what I mean? To handle Even this. they shut down. Were you talking? Jeez. <laughs> they were like, you're not anything. It, it does well, get least... better. Uh, oh, good. I, I got a response today. Okay. From both addresses, email addresses I've been contacting. And they asked me for my application number because they said they couldn't find my loan. The application number was in the subject of the email chain. 30, <laughs> 37 emails in this chain. Yeah. Oh, no. And it was in every subject line. So that's so, where I'm at right now. Okay. So you still don't have any money. Nope. You're still trying to get a loan. Uh-huh. So I, I feel like this is the problem with you is that there's always so many like facets to whatever the hell you're talking about that it's yeah. hard to figure out exactly. Like I need a, I need a flow chart sometimes with you, with you well, and your stories. So let's rewind. I've Venn diagrams, but <laughs> they all like the intersecting circle just says fucked. Right. Exactly. <laughs> this is fine. And it, um, let's go back a little bit to why you're moving, why you had yeah. to move, all that kind of stuff. I also want to sort of go back to why you didn't want to do takeout because I know a lot of places were doing takeout. Um, and, and I know that's just to support some of their wait staff and, and just to maybe even burn through food. I know a couple breweries who have restaurants were either donating their food or giving them to staff or just doing something with it because you have yeah. what a, a month, maybe two and a half, three weeks worth of food in your cold box. You're told to shut down. No one's coming in. What are you going to do with all this fresh arugula or whatever it is, right? So uh, basically, I guess to tackle um, the food issue first and the takeout issue, because yeah. those are probably the shortest subjects. <laughs> the, the second the shutdown order came through, um, I gave all of our perishable food to employees. Um, it, it was pretty obvious we weren't going to open in two weeks. And as far as fresh foods that, that you can't freeze, you know, we had thousands of dollars of those fresh foods. And I, I'm, I'm not going to look at 37 employees who are no longer getting a paycheck and need food and say, no, I'm going to chance it and hold on to this for a week just in case. Right. That's, that's fucked. Yeah. Um, so we cleaned out everything that couldn't be frozen immediately and handed that out to employees. Uh, everything that could be frozen went into our, our walk-in freezer. I just imagine as an employee getting like a 25-pound bag of cheese curds and be like, here yeah. you go. God bless. Awesome. We froze the that? cheese curds. Froze the cheese curds. Oh, okay, uh, there you go. But there was a lot of lettuce. And, you know, shit, people don't think about like yeah. we like 15 gallons of mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck am I supposed to do with 15 gallons of open mayonnaise? Throw a party. Uh, Everyone got a bottle. You know, it's like, you want a head of lettuce? Take some fucking mayonnaise. Okay. Uh, All right. Take some pyro mayo. Take some cilantro mayo. We have like nine different types of mayonnaise. Well, uh, maybe that's so, why uh, you only made five grand that day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, the mayonnaise was all the problem. 
Oh, okay, got it. Uh, so we put everything in the freezer, which failed two weeks later. Uh, <laughs> oh no! Yeah, so I, I I got the deal with. We actually we lost our walk-in cooler where all of the beer was stored on the brewery side, and the walk-in freezer where all of our salvaged food was stored on the pub side. Uh, uh. The and it was the first weekend I said, I'm going to blow my fucking brains out if I don't take some time and go home. You, sh- so, you, you know, probably I, I, should have at this point. I mean, like, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously, obviously I'm joking, uh, but like from a financial standpoint, you what? OK, this is what this is what we need to do. We need to figure out how to make a movie about this because you can't write. You can't write that. If you yeah. watch like, you know, there's there's that dumbass movie i don't even know it, it might be amazing but like this some show about like brothers opening a brewery or some nonsense whatever the fuck it's called i hear it's terrible um some people say that not me but i hear it's terrible if you wrote that in it'd mm-hmm. be like that come on that would ne- literally yeah. never ever happen but you it's like of, of, you're the al bundy of the beer world where things are going right and then you get the bundy luck where if you say things are going okay that's when everything shitty happens. And so I feel well, like once you think you're going shitty, more shitty <laughs> happens. Well, you once you, I think with you, it's once you think you have it under control, like once you found a solution, it comes back, <laughs> more happens. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to point that out. That's all. Uh huh. So, take out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so take out. Well, wait. So what do you do with the, what do you do with all the freezer? You have the, the beer. You have to get rid of the beer. I mean, not dump it, but I'm sure. I had to dump over 200 kegs oh. and about six or $7,000 worth of frozen food. And there was no yeah. salvaging any of it. No. Um, the cooler, when I walked in, the beer cooler was an 85. Uh, <laughs> the fan was still running full steam. The compressor okay. had just blown. Okay. So it essentially was just circulating hot air. Um, did you taste it like before making it? Yeah. Okay. And it tasted real good. Awesome. Yeah. Nothing says proper Vienna steam lager, like (laughs) lagering at 85 degrees for question mark days. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we, we tried to put a bunch of meat into, uh, coolers. Okay. Went out and bought a bunch of roto molded coolers and figured, well, if I can get it fixed in a day, you're fine. Maybe I can put the food back. Well, okay. if you're familiar with health code, as soon as anything gets over, you know, 38 degrees, it's pretty much fucked as far as frozen goods. So oh. uh, we were not able to salvage anything. Uh, we did get the claim finally processed after the investigation to make sure I didn't tamper with our cooler. Um we did get the claim processed for the brewery side losses. Uh, still waiting on the pub because my insurance agent is also my former landlord. <laughs> and I have not yet been able to finish filing that claim since he's now trying to pursue criminal charges against me. And that's kept me kind of busy. Oh my God. But that one comes later. So. Dave. Yeah. I, look, I'm, I'm, Hi, Mike, if you're watching. I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a break. Let's take a break. <laughs> I need to, I need to I need to compose because we've yes to process. I have to process. Yeah. We've chatted briefly off and mm-hmm. on through this whole thing, but 
that's just a new level. I, I feel like you're meat- save some nuggets for you. Yeah, I feel like you're uh, your meat cooler now. I feel broken and my fan is just spinning hot air at everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take a quick break. We're talking with Dave from Flattail. Um, hang on. We'll be right back. Segmented, demented, fermented, fermented. It's the session. All right, thanks a lot, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, We're part two, round two of Let Life Beat Up on Dave Marlier from Flat Tail Brewing Company. Um, I didn't get my cry out during the break, so just let me. (laughs) (laughs) Big cry outs to my fans. Um, You're getting a lot of love from the chat room right now from uh, Facebook. A lot of people listening live. Uh, Chad in the chat, he opened uh, Gray Wolf Brewing Company five weeks before the shutdown. And uh, but he went camping and then his cold box leaked its refrigerant and all this kind of stuff. So a lot of people are sort of sharing uh, your pain. But it is also like, uh, you know, the guy who broke two legs being told that they feel your pain because one guy broke his like hand or something. like that. You know what I mean? It's just so infinitely worse. You're a wordsmith, JP. Well, you know, I'm a golden-throated individual. young, And, you know, you know that because you've slept over at my house. Have I? Yeah. Oh, I have, haven't I? Yeah. This wasn't memorable enough, I guess. Yeah. I haven't washed the sheet <laughs> since. So. Maybe it was more of a pass-out situation. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably. All right. Well, so let's get back to it. So you're, everything fails. You have to dump all this beer. What are you, and I know the answer probably already because I can just guess, but what, as you're dumping this beer, what are you thinking about? What's your, what's your, what's your thought process? Are you thinking about how to solve the problem, what you can do, or are you honestly trying? And if it were me, I would seriously, honestly be trying not to want to just load my pockets with rocks and go swimming. Like, honestly. Yeah. And I mean, I, I I think you know, as much as we joke about it, that that's a very real part of this whole equation that's worth talking about. Um, you know, I, I've worn my heart on my sleeve since the day I was born, and I don't mind talking about things like suicidal thoughts in a, in a period like this. And absolutely, myself and my family have been struggling with, with that because it's it's hard to get beaten down so many times and then have something like 2020 happen yeah uh because you you just feel powerless and you know dumping the beer for the insurance claim you know it was it was all of our loggers it was our classic american stout things like that and that hurt a lot uh but as we got closer to the eviction date and we had to start dumping things just because i didn't have anywhere to put them that's what really hurt you know, I'm I'm looking at uh, Syrah Lambic from 2012, oh. and I'm having to dump that keg down the drain because I, the only other option is it goes in my garage, my backyard. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll take the laptop for a spin in a minute and show you my front yard. I've got 350 empty half barrels in my front yard right now. Uh, yeah. Uh, and you know, my mudroom. <laughs> is full of dry goods from the restaurant. My garage is full of cardboard boxes. Our entire property is no longer ours. 
it's full of shit that I had to get out of the building because I had no choice other than to get it out of the building or to leave it and know that I wouldn't be able to go back. And when you've been in the same spot for 10 years, you know, I was 22 when I started Flattail with a couple other people. And since I was 22, I've been the only head brewer at that brewery. Out of 10 years operating Flattail, five of those, I've been the only brewer. This is my beer. This is me, you know. It's your name, man, yeah. Yeah, and having to to dump that shit. And then, you know, I've still got 50 kegs that are full on my back lawn, you know. (laughs) Uh, And those were the kegs that I couldn't bear to part with, but I... Are are they just... They're they're, toast. They're going to be good. They're going to be gone, right? I mean... You know, I, I, I gave probably six or seven kegs of our Marionberry cranberry sour, you know, to friends and stuff, because I just didn't want to see it get nuked. But, you know, I, uh, I had a full 15 barrel batch of this kind of Neo cream ale, like Jenny cream, but less shitty mm. with citra hops. And, uh, I was so stoked on that beer going into summer. I was thinking we're going to move into a smaller footprint in the building. Yeah. We're going to open a, a, a small scale kind of speakeasy style t- tasting room in the back instead of a full hundred and plus seat pub we're gonna make this work this is gonna be fucking awesome and i'm gonna have this killer slammable beer to launch us into this new phase yeah i couldn't sell a single keg of that batch i brewed it to dump it down the drain because of the eviction and all that kind of yeah and we'll get to that in a second but well yeah it's very like loop forward and come back and you know it's just that's just the the nature of the beast so Apologize, follow along if you can. But uh, so you, at what point in that batch? Because that sounds like a beer that I would enjoy. Now, I, now I'm interested. Now you got me hooked. <laughs> All right, I don't care about your stout. It's very good. Tell me about a slammable cream ale, bro. What, what point in uh-huh. that in that batch do you go like? Well, is it in your fermenter, and you know it's almost done, and you you hear the call out that you need to go and you can't do anything about it, and so you have to sit and let it gestate <laughs> yeah finish out. so it, it was basically pre-crash uh right when we got the eviction oh. um as far as the beer itself yeah. we're our six row flaked maze uh and then just a couple toolbox malts to balance ph and and whatnot and then a real small citra hop so the citra was super subtle uh you know 2.8 2.9 volumes of co2 was the target so real sprightly kind of american light lager-esque summer slammer um summer slammer with, baby but with a little more substance uh and this beer was actually brewed for a brand new contract brewing project that was supposed to be launched later in the month uh the brand i'm working with wanted to launch with a, a hazy ipa <laughs> and something <laughs> yeah and something sessionable uh for the summer so this was our first batch with this new brand and it, it it was this incredible arrangement where this this company was willing to essentially pay flat tail wholesale price for the contract beer it, and then do all the marketing and distributing themselves. Okay, wow. so I'm assuming that's really good. Teresa, that sounds really good. It sounds good to me. Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, wholesale, wow, okay. Because so everyone knows... would have sold it to a distributor for. Yeah. And that 
just that contract brewing production plus one batch a month of, you know, our house brand would have been enough to meet costs in the new space. And when I say the new space, what I'd been talking about with the building owners was essentially giving up about 5,000 square feet of our 10,000 square foot building. Uh, so okay. we would give up the restaurant space, allow them to move into there along with some of the back warehouse. And with the smaller footprint, smaller production needs, we would operate the brewery and turn our, our uh, back of the warehouse storage area into a new tasting room right next to the bathrooms. Everything worked out great. And it should have taken our rent from 15000 a month to sub five. Oh, man, that's easy, uh, especially with that kind of setup. Let me rewind a little bit, because I believe the last time you were on, and that maybe I'm conflating last time I talked to you, the last time you were on, but there was some talk about you buying the building. The building may be for sale to sort of like, you know, reduce your costs in that regard over the long term. What happened there? It sounded like you, you met with some partners and, and, and something happened. That, that didn't. So this is one of those free. things that I unfortunately still can't really talk to that much. Um, what I can say is we were planning on purchasing the building, yeah, uh, with the the LLCs that operated it, and I received some information uh, regarding internal operations that I wasn't fully aware of that made me not confident in signing that dotted line. And you can't so talk about that. that. You can't be I any more not. clear than that. <laughs> I, I can I can tell you that the the court filings are public. And if okay. you want to look up what's been alleged, you certainly can, but that's about all I can say. Okay. Okay. So you got some inside information that made you a little gun shy. Yeah. And you wanted to go and seek and other avenues. We, yeah, we, we had a, a local gentleman who had been uh, basically was planning on being 50% owners along with us of the building. And we started talking and I said, well, Hey, you know, we've got the personal relationship with the current building owner. He's willing to give you the severely discounted price on the building that he was offering me. Uh, I need lower rent, but I'm fine passing that on to you. And I'd like to have a buyback deal, et cetera, for the building, that kind of thing. Uh, they ended up getting the building and we did not have our rent lowered and the new building ownership group uh, refused to let me sign a new lease. So as of the end of June, 2019, we defaulted to month to month. And these were effectively your new business partners. Mm, they, they didn't have any ownership in the LLCs, just okay. the building. Okay. Yeah. All right. So they were just your new landlords that you brought this deal to, which sounds like a good deal. I mean, anytime you can buy a commercial space right on the waterfront there in a nice prime location for a lower price than advertised? $1.97 and they got it for $1.3. Damn. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. And uh, so they didn't give you what they promised you, and then you default. Automatically I had to month verbal to month. agreements with a representative of the building ownership group <laughs> that I believe were not met. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. I get. I see what you say. Allegedly, things didn't happen the way that you were promised. So now what? So basically, we were at this month-to-month lease, and um, 
that led us to a position where mid COVID, um, you know, one of the, one of the biggest questions I get is how could they evict you? You can't evict anyone in COVID. Right. And this is, this is one of the most dangerous misconceptions out there right now. You can absolutely still evict people. You just can't evict them for non-payment of rent. So the Tuesday prior to the eviction notice uh, was the first walkthrough that I had with the building ownership group since they purchased it in 2019. Uh, that was the first time a couple members of the ownership group had even seen the building outside of the public areas. Uh, and it was my understanding because of conversations I had had with the sole representative that I have, have ever been able to talk to out of this ownership group that what we were doing was a walkthrough to decide the new square footage requirements and which area I wanted to give up. Um, okay. That conversation and walkthrough ended with uh, Mr. Eves shaking my hand and saying, I just want us to all be friends when this is over and work out something that's mutually beneficial. They told me to get them numbers, both for square footage, uh, exact partition spaces, et cetera, and also what I felt I could pay for rent by Friday, hopefully, or early next week if I wasn't able to do it by Friday. I received the eviction notice Thursday. I walked into the pub. Before the was, deadline. Correct. <laughs> the eviction Man, notice. Oh my gosh. That takes uh -huh. balls, dude. I swear to God. what a, yeah. That sucks. I mean, there's no excuse for that kind of shit. There really, that would you, be my opinion. If you want someone out, just, just yeah. tell them. Be... Yeah. Be well, a human being. Tell me on tell March seventeenth. Right. Tell me when I had three months to clear the building out, but I didn't because I thought I still had a future there. Yeah. That's the worst part. Uh, so I find this eviction notice stapled to the front door, and I immediately call Mike. Or excuse me, I didn't call Mike because the eviction notice made it very clear that I was not to contact any of the owners of the building directly, and that <laughs> oh, I had yes. to go through their counsel only. Okay. So I email their lawyer and say, hey, this is an error, right? This is just for the pub side of the building that I'm moving out of. But it but it says it's for both sides of the building. Yeah, like and a formality. Was, Maybe it was a formality that they had to do to, to get yeah, the ball rolling kind of thing? That's what I assumed. Okay. Well, you're a better person uh, so than we, I am. I would have shipped His myself. exact phrase he used was, well, Mr. Marleyov, my marching orders are to evict you from both sides of the building. Uh, so at that point, I started text messaging uh, Mike, the the representative slash owner of this building, like, hey, I, I'm being told I'm being evicted from both sides of the building. Th this is wrong, right? Yeah. Never got a response. Uh, so I, I communicated with their counsel that, you know, this is, I tried to find some Oregon statutes that I thought might protect us. I spent about five days trying to pursue the eviction before I realized I don't have enough money to get out of this. Mm. Every single owner of this building is, is independently wealthy to levels that far exceed my wildest dreams. Yeah. But Dave, you have 200 stainless steel kegs. So 350. See, well, there you go. You're rich in your own way. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth about 3,500 bucks. <laughs> uh, probably at least five hours on the phone with one lawyer there you go um, so i had to go into uh you know hyperspeed yeah and at that point it became 
how do I clear out 10,000 square feet that I've occupied for a decade in the next 26 days? And uh, as you can imagine, that that was beyond daunting. It's impossible. You, you cannot do that, uh, particularly when I had no employees left. Yeah. So, you know, our, our first week, it was myself, my wife, Emma, um, who had just finished teaching remotely for the year. And my old warehouse manager, Jim, who's a good friend of mine. And, and it was just us three. Uh, Jim's a caretaker for both of his elderly parents, so he wasn't able to come in much. So essentially, you know, I'm disconnecting shit in the kitchen. I'm taking trade fixtures out and Emma's cleaning and organizing nonstop all day, every day. And after a week of that, uh, I, I realized I, I, I don't like to ask for help. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, I, I had to ask for a lot of help. Yeah. So I, I had a lot of brewer response. Um, and I would be absolutely remiss if I didn't, number one, thank Charlie from, well, formerly of Allegory, uh, who's been on your show a couple times. Yeah. Charlie and I rigged every single tank in the brew house on our own. Uh, and we loaded it onto a borrowed gooseneck from our buddy Nathan from Tiny Smart House. He builds basically trailer-mounted luxury homes um, and tiny homes. And we borrowed his gooseneck. We rigged all of our tanks ourselves and we moved every single vessel in a period of about four days. God. Yeah. Um, after the first week of trying to figure out what we were going to do and how we were going to, going to do it. Uh, I had one day where I didn't work at least 16 hours. Um, and I, I I, I see you getting a little emotional about it and yeah. and you're not really known for being very serious. And so <laughs> I feel like, and that's why we you know, can sort of give you shit about uh, throw a dart. Right. Um, but this is, I think the first time that I, I feel like things have really impacted you in a, in a meaningful way. Um, and it's, and it's some of the emotion of, of leaving the space but I think it's also the outpouring of emotion that you got from the brewing community yeah. as well. Like, is that something that was expected? Because we talk about how everyone's tight and everything's great and the brewing community loves each other and whatever. But when it comes down to it, do they really or is it all for show? And it sounds like you experienced yeah. some of that like brotherly love. Yeah, when you and I, I got both sides. And, you know, I even earlier in the show, I alluded to always wearing my heart on my sleeve. And that that's kind of not true. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I like to joke around and obviously I, I, I don't give a shit about proprietary information, whether that's about the beer I brew or my personal life. Yeah. But I guess my actual emotional reactions to a lot of the things that have happened to me, people really don't know. You know, everyone thinks I joke about everything. So I, there is no impact on me. That's not the case. You know, when I spent five days in the hospital between Alameda and Stockton, my leg almost got caught up, off, yeah, cut off. Yeah, that was something funny to joke about. But if you don't think that rocked me to my, my fucking core, you're wrong. So a lot of these things we've joked about over the years have seriously impacted me. 
But this was the first time where I thought it might actually break me, hmm. to be honest. Th yeah. This was the first time where I said, I don't think I can do this because it's just too much. It's too much from the financial side. It's too much to ask of my, my body physically to work 21, 16 hour shifts in a row, yeah. not getting paid. You know, I, I'd wake up every morning. I'd get home, you know, 9 or 10 p.m., try to eat something, try to go to sleep. You can't just go to sleep after 16 hours. You, you can't do that. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm allergic to antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications. Oh, Jesus. You're uh, the perfect yeah. person to have that, too. Uh -huh. Penicillin. And, that, like, there's, there's, there's some – you are an evolutionary experiment. Yeah. Like, there's something yeah. that, like – like, much. You know, science – Science, science can't help you. I can take Xanax. Okay, well, there you right. go. I can share some of mine. Yeah, no, I've got plenty. Uh, Kim will mail you some bars, dude. <laughs> you know, that, that was the situation I was in. It was like, how the fuck yeah. do I possibly do this? When, when I was burnt out and overloaded before this happened, how do I get to the end? Yeah. And the only way that happened, you know, I can describe this perfectly in one scenario, which was we're trying to fall this 1980s era JV tank we bought from a company that bought it from a company that bought it from Rogue. It was tank number eight ever produced by JV Northwest. Wow. It has no lifting eyes and it has detachable legs. <laughs> okay. That sounds and good. And only three legs. Okay. So we're trying to fall this tank on my like world war two era forklift and a roll of duct tape and some shackles. And Charlie and I are just running into this issue where, you know, we've got it strapped to the top of the tank, but every time we get it below 45, the forks are hitting the crown mm. and we just can't get it horizontal. And my brain just stopped working. <laughs> I'm looking at Charlie and I'm like, you know, I'm drifting off to sleep. I'm, I'm barely able to keep my yeah. eyes open. And he looks at me and he's like, Hey man, we just got to get it done. And then you can go home. Like, but I'm going to be here until we get this done. Yeah. Let's just do it. Come on. We can figure it out. Take a walk. We're going to do this. And that was the only way I got out of that building was wow. from people like that. Uh, you know, Jacob Oliver from this new joint in town, common fields. Hmm. Basically it's like food carts and only independent beer. He only buys beer from independent local breweries. The guy came over and organized a sale of all of our smallware, everything that wasn't worth moving or couldn't be moved. And he sold every last item that was up for sale in 48 hours and refused wow. to take a commission. Thousands of dollars in smallware that gave us the money to do this move. And he just came in and did it because that's what you're supposed to do in this, yeah. this industry. Right. And, you know, uh, Stephen and Dan from Cold Fire Brewing purchased two of my 30 barrels and my glycol chiller, which wasn't needed at the new site. So you're, you they, were selling tanks. You were selling. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, well, we <laughs> when your operating costs are 90 grand a month and you can't yeah. make money for three months, you got to have some capital to to even just stay afloat. Yeah. I, yeah. And, and and that's the thing. That's why I wanted to talk to you about this, because it's. I would never have thought about that. I thought you're moving your brewery. Well, that's everything. But yeah. I know how important it is to a brewer to expand, to buy a new tank, to be able. It's like a, I don't want to call it a status symbol, but it means that you're 
that you're moving forward and you're sort of succeeding at least sure. enough to like to to afford everyone to live and you can buy new equipment so you can grow and you can do the whole thing right but to sell that status symbol to sell that that i don't know extra piece on the playing board i don't know man i i, I didn't even i i wouldn't even thought about that it, it's heartbreaking and you know i i picked up the tradition from the first brewery i ever worked at to uh to name all of my vessels after important women in my life. So, you know, I, I sold Zoe and Ava. Those tanks were named after my nieces. Hmm. You know, we, we got GABF medals, World Beer Cup medals out of those tanks. And oh, wow. you can't just move that stainless and have it be just the stainless leaving. It, yeah. It's everything that went into being able to buy those tanks in the first place, their namesakes, every batch I've ever brewed in those tanks walking out the door. And if I had had to make that sale to someone I didn't know or someone I didn't think was going to keep producing world-class beer in those tanks, that would have been even more heartbreaking. Hmm. But Stephen and Dan over at cold fire in Eugene, uh, offered me above market price. They helped, uh, ship the tanks and I can now, I'm planning on coming down for the first brew into those vessels. And, you know, wow, that. Wow, man, that's, that's, yeah. that's good. That's the unity mm. that we've been talking about. That's the unity that the uh, industry has been sort of built on, honestly. Yeah. And uh, just a quick <clears throat> cold fire brewing. <laughs> They're great. I've been there. I've been they, there. They're great. <laughs> They were one of the only draft-only breweries left in Oregon uh, as of about a year and a half ago. Hmm. And the only brewery in Oregon that outsold them was Boneyard. And, I mean, they are the Boneyard's most consistent, yeah. high-quality uh, brewer of classic styles and also, you know, wild ales, et cetera, in the state, bar none. And they're just good fucking people. So nice. well, It sounds like it. it. Yeah. yeah, and even I more mean, of a I, reason I, to support them now. I mean, you yeah. know, they're helping you out, man. That's uh, that, that's that's saying something. That's really great. And we've got a long relationship. I mean, I I actually uh, <laughs> Dan Hughes, one of the co-founders, with his brother Stephen, he reached out to me on uh, Twitter of all mm -hmm. places because that's you know used to be a thing. Yeah, you're super on Twitter all the time. I know you, but I yeah, know that totally. About I check yeah, it at yeah. least every quarter. Yeah, uh, and I had made some like posts on my personal account about all you need to like fix a KLR, that's a motorcycle, uh, you know, is some bailing twine, a roll of duct tape and a fifth of Jim Bean. Mm -hmm. And he, he responded to me like, Hey, I really like flat tail beer and I ride. Do you want to go for a ride? Oh, wow. I'm a home brewer that's thinking about starting a brewery. Well, that's cute. You got a little date out so, of it and that's nice. It was cute. And yeah. he paid. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> so I'm thinking, great. This is another home brewer. I'm going to try their shitty beer and never talk to him again. <laughs> Uh, so we, we go for a ride. Yeah, it's great. We stop by this local tap room and the first thing I notice is like, we go to order beers and we both order the like freem Japanese style lager. I'm like, all right, no double IPAs. Good start. Yeah. Up, I like him. To, yeah, I could bring him on. home to my mom. He doesn't drink mm -hmm. hazy IPAs. I love him. I would too. I think he would get along great with my mom. She's a beautiful woman. Uh, I know. I ended up going over to his place and trying his homebrew. And the, the fucking homebrew was better than most of the beer being commercially brewed in Oregon. Nice. He is literally the Stephen and Dan were the only homebrewers that I've ever sat down with and, and thought from beer quality to marketing to business plan 
everything, you guys need to start a brewery. Mm. And they did, and they've been wildly successful. Uh, Steven spent six months at Flat Tail learning how to brew on a professional level system. Oh, uh, wow. Who retaught him after that then? Where did he go after Dan. that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, one brother makes up for the other one. Got it. All right. But we've had a long relationship, and, and it was just, it was very comforting uh, and kind of, I guess, backed me off of the ledge a little bit to see yeah. these brewers that I've known forever, not just saying, yeah, we're part of this community, but coming down and, and working these massive shifts. I mean, fucking Charlie slept on a sleeping mat in my backyard for like three days <laughs> to help me get this move done. Wow. That's not stuff you do with just acquaintances. No, you know, this industry does have bones. It, it's got roots. It, it is something special no matter how hard it is to see that sometimes. Yeah. So, all right, that's good. So you rewind for a little bit. You got all your stuff out. Now, were you telling me a little yeah, bit? We, we, we didn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Well, you got your brewery. I know you got your kitchen out um, and you got your brewery out. What did you leave behind? So that's, that's kind of the flip side. Okay. Uh, well, I'm talking about these industry friends that saved my ass and, and, you know, helped all this come together and also, uh, former employees helped massively. We had, you know, five or 10, uh, former employees coming in every day. The last week, our Tuesday night bike night crew came in with trailers and trucks and hauled stuff out. So we had a wow. huge amount of unilateral community support. Um, on our last night, we organized everything we couldn't get out into a couple different locations in the building. And basically, you know, there wasn't a huge amount of incredibly valuable equipment other than the kitchen equipment that was supposed to be left to uh, cover part of our unpaid back rent. Are you crying or are you burping right now? I want to know. Little little column A, little column B. Okay. All right. It's a cry burp. Okay. Uh, Uh, So we, you know, we had to leave our hood, um, we had to leave all of our walk-in coolers, which we purchased Ooh. and installed all of that. Damn. That's, those are expensive too. Those are not cheap. Yeah. yeah. It was over $30,000 oh. worth of equipment that was supposed to go towards the three months of rent that we couldn't pay because we couldn't legally operate. Um, <laughs> okay. that just sounds bizarre to say that out loud. Yeah. Anywho, uh, and then, you know, some, you know, like specialty flues for our Renai on-demand heaters, three grand worth of those flues that I just didn't have time to get off the wall. A lot of bottles, empty glass, pallets of 12 ounce, three pallets of cans, Ugh. stuff like that. So, yeah, there, there was quite a bit. And uh, two weeks after we left, I was copied on an email from the local homebrew club. <laughs> Oh, I was really hoping you would bring this up too. Cause I didn't want to have to. Yeah. Yeah. No. And tell me, about you know, it. part of me didn't want to, but part of me also feels like this is an important thing to, to discuss because there is a flip side. There, there's that side of the community that comes out to support you. Like you, you want to say, you know, they will. Yeah. And then there's the other side. That's the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. So this email goes out to the homebrew club saying like, Hey, the building owners are going to have an open house and all this stuff that was left behind is for free, you know, just come in and grab it. And Um, it's all just to clarify, this is all stuff that you were not allowed to come and get. So they, they emailed me, uh, I believe it was around 10 or 11 AM the day after our last day and said, Hey, it looks like you left some shit you can come in for a couple hours today and grab it if you want. Mm -hmm. Um, at that point, I, I physically 
could not return to that building. Um, I hadn't slept in days. I've been, like I said, working 16 hour shifts nonstop for almost a month. There was no way I was able to come in in one day and get the rest of that stuff out. Not to mention, you know, I don't have crews lined up. I don't have all these volunteers I've had ready to move out because our last day was the day before. Yeah. Uh, Previously, I'd asked for a two week extension and they wanted $7,500 and ownership of all of our kitchen equipment for two and a half weeks. <laughs> that was sent in writing. Yeah, that's reasonable. I mean, come on. Your excuse now to say that they offered me more time. Well, <laughs> I didn't have $7,500 and $30,000 worth of kitchen equipment to just write off for an extra two weeks. Right. So that obviously couldn't happen. And the day after wasn't going to work. That was the only extra time they offered me at any point. So I, I got copied on this, you know, homebrew club email. And I responded in similar fashion to how I responded to Ron sans ass tattoo uh, <laughs> with a little more heat potentially. Yeah. And it, it was a bummer. You know, I, I got some apologies from longtime members, but the apologies were basically, we're sorry we copied you on this email. So Not, the, we're sorry that we're taking your shit out of the brewery. The email was to come pick this bones, the pick yeah. the bones of this mammoth that I took down uh-huh. because I don't, I want to be an asshole and not let the guy come and clean the shit up. Yeah. I also had, you know, a couple emails telling me to get over it. And, you know, it's just a fucking email, whatever. Why are you in yeah. such a, a diss over this? And, uh, and that was, that was real hard because, you know, I, I was a member of the Heart of the Valley Homebrewers when I was 19. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I passed the BJCP exam before I could legally drink. Nice. Um, and, you know, I, I took home NHC medals for, for this club. Uh, I've known members of this club for over a decade. And to see the overwhelming response, just, hey, cool, free stuff, that fucking hurt. And, uh, you know, I did have a couple members say, hey, what do you want us to get out? Oh, and, oh to bring uh, to you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. nice, so, man. That's uh, you cool. Know, unfortunately, you know, they saved like 15 cases of empty glass. And What are you going to do with that? Right. Yeah. And it wasn't for lack of effort, but, uh, you know, I, w- one of the homebrew club members uh ran into him in the parking lot at the local grocery store and he hands me a bottle of homebrew and one of my Kolsch bottles <laughs> i mean i i i yeah. i sort of get it assuming that they don't know what's going on All. right well they but maybe they don't know what's happening oh no he very much was on the email got the bottles at the sale and commented on my response but did the email say Hey, Dave has been kicked out of Flat Tail and he had to yeah. leave. He was forced to leave. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I don't know if they knew yeah. the subtleties where well, they just, it, it, you're moving. What this, do they know, right? It was this wonderful, oh no. I mean, well, number one, I, I posted on social media with a, a very open uh, opinion of what happened. Yes, you did. That was public public knowledge for quite a while before this happened. Okay. And, you know, the email from the, the homebrew club was like, we're so sorry for Dave. By the way, there's all this free shit. Ah, okay. Uh, considering this individual that gave me the bottle of homebrew has worked in the professional brewing industry Ooh. locally uh, for several years. Was it good? I haven't opened it yet. You should yeah. open it right now, please. Let's drink. <laughs> After the next break, okay. I'll grab it. All right. Yeah, let's pop that sucker open. 
so so yeah it, it's been uh it's been all over the place dude yeah damn dude that okay so the homebrewers pick your bones which i think is very ouroboros very fitting you know everything comes full circle david you start as a homebrewer it's the homebrewers that kill you man you know what i mean the sad part about it is it this would have been and maybe it would have been negated a little bit but it's would have been unavoidable it's not one of those covid results i mean maybe it is on right. the on the part of the people who bought the building to whatever to flip it or do something i don't fucking know but this would have happened regardless of the shutdown maybe it sounds like i don't know i mean do you think yeah, that I, if, I don't, if you were open you would have been able to get a, a a bank loan to buy the building or did you need a business you see what i'm saying like if you had if you had yeah. done a better winter uh, if you had brewed better beer, essentially is what I'm. It's a, a coded language, is what I'm saying. Um, moving into January, February, I'm sure it helps. Um, do you think that would have changed anything, or is this sort of the stone that was in your path? Nothing was going to move it. I honestly don't know. Uh, All right. You know, obviously th- this winter was really rough, and we needed mm-hmm. something to change. Uh, with a reduction in rent and taking up a smaller footprint, I'm very confident we could have bounced back and yeah. bounce back better than we were before. That speakeasy idea sounded great. Yeah. I mean, 15000 a month rent is just insane. Yeah, that's you yeah. Know, especially that, for that rundown building. Come on. Yeah, that's high by California standards. Yeah, um, it really is. And this, this is a 100-year-old building, by the way, that we yeah. added over $150,000 of improvements to out of our business pocket bro i want to i want to play the lottery and just for you one day you know what i mean i'm like, gonna win if you're playing it for me that's true so i forgot about the bundy luck i forgot Place you bought it would like burn in flames or something and the machine would go up and let's yeah i don't i feel like your your uh landlords are just diabolical like it, yeah. it wouldn't have helped because if they're willing to do this to you despite circumstances like yeah they would have done something anyway yeah it gets better it does oh, okay is well, that sarcasm <laughs> or is that like legitimate like no it gets better i think well, the, the story uh, gets better the antidepressant implant in his neck is kicking in mm-hmm. now finally so okay. yeah emma's in the I back think... clicking the button just to like inject him with more <laughs> positivity yeah this, i this think might, like, i think zoom needs uh Zoom needs a hug extension so we can like <laughs> give a hug. That's true. A, haptic, a haptic feedback anyway. suit you put on so you can just get all mm-hmm. hugged. Yeah, just. I, I, I you, it, it'll be awkward, but jacket. it's awkward anyway. Yeah. We have a thunder jacket for our, our whipador, and I, I tried to like get a bigger one for me, but it. it didn't <laughs> What's work. a whipador? First of <laughs> whip-a-door. all, it sounds like, like someone a... in the seven, like who go to like a disco club in the seventies and call himself a whipador, which is some weird sus uh, subset of Fair. like you know Fair. disco dancing. I'm a whipador. Uh, it's a lab whippet mix. It's a dog. Uh... Yeah. All right. I knew the whippet part and the door made sense as a dog lover, but I was like, I've never heard this term before. Certainly this no, can't be a real either. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's awesome. She's absolutely insane. Though. Yeah. Well, you need a jacket for her. So how awesome can she be? Um, let's take a, <laughs> let's take a quick break. Uh, we're going to come back and we're going to hear the positive side. Okay. Things oh, are. No, no, I was, I was joking. It gets oh, worse. Okay. Wait, <laughs> worse. Yes. Not better. <laughs> well, we're going to hear the positive side as in, uh, are, is flat tail still 
a thing. And maybe that's a negative. Sure. I don't know. Maybe that, that is negative. That some good stuff. Okay. See? So yeah. we're going to do that. Hang in there. Take the, the belt off your neck. Take the rope off the rafters. It gets better. Dave, Dave can make it through this. So can you. Hang on. We'll be right back. You're tuned into the session. Because life's too short to listen to crappy radio. Hey, thanks everybody for hanging out. We're back with Dave. And um, he's slamming a what are you what are you drinking? Look, looks like an oxidized mead, but I don't know what it is. Coconut Vienna it's Lager. A Vienna Lager. See, okay, so this is why this is one of the reasons why I don't feel bad for you is because you are you're texting me and we're talking all the time now about how good the Chuckanut Mexican Lager is. <sighs> and I I, I feel stuff, I feel frustrated because I don't have any, and you refuse to ship it to me. You refuse. Well, I I have another bottle in this cooler right right next to me so i i can drink more in front of you if that helps does that does that help it does i um during the break i made a a, a greyhound <laughs> because this is why i like doing the show from my house because i can just mm-hmm. go i got a bunch of grapefruit from my buddy brad and uh in my ears up my tie glass and uh you Love know greyhounds throw a greyhound Bro, the first time I was ever introduced to Greyhounds was at the, I think it was the Red Barn or the Red Bar, whatever, at Edgefield in Portland, right? McMinniman's Edgefield. Mm-hmm. Throwing, just throwing down Greyhounds, man. And it was like the, the most perfect drink I've ever had in my entire life. And it wasn't even the Red Barn. It was, it was the, um, the bar at the little nine-hole golf course they had. Fresh sure. squeeze, ram right there. Uh, grapefruit juice. I put a little Mai Tai syrup in it. A little vanilla kind of hangs out a little bit. A little more demerara sugar. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff, man. And uh, a biodegradable straw. Well, look at you saving the planet. One. I'm trying, baby. I care about the turtles, man. I'm proud of you. You know, you've grown a lot. Thanks, man. You can see that. I, I thought the camera cut me off midway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, why do you think I'm at shoulder height? <laughs> It's true. Uh, okay, so let's get back. So you were evicted. Where do you go? Yes. So in, in addition yeah. to like figuring out how to move out, you also have to figure out where to move to. You were correct. Thanks, man. So, you know, I, I reached out again to a lot of industry friends and partners like, like, hey, do you know anyone who might have room for like another brewery inside their brewery? Right. Uh because it was one of those things where you sit down and you think, okay, what's my job today? My job is to figure out how to relocate my brewery without spending any money in three weeks. <laughs> right. Which is really easy to do, I'm sure. Right. So, you know, I, I was absolutely at a loss. So I started looking for contract brewing partners like, okay, maybe I sell all of the tanks and mm-hmm. we, we brew through a contract partner. Which obviously, considering most of our revenue was about to be coming from contract brewing, was not a great. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I had a buddy say, hey, you know, what if we go totally left field? Like there's this this brewery in Albany that just changed owners and they've got a really shitty brew house. <laughs> okay. Ancient, archaic 
horrendous equipment. Which sounds like a startup brewery. Albany, Oregon. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, I gave them a call and said, hey, listen, you guys have really shitty equipment. Yeah. Uh, I hope that's how you open the call, by the way. It it pretty much is. Okay, good. Okay. Uh, So these, these are successful distillers from the county. Ah. And they they purchased a brewery with the aim of basically having a brewery, distillery, eventually winery, all in the same space. That, so they're basically trying to be Edgefield of Albany. Sure, but with like yeah. good products, right? Um, <laughs> right. So hey, we're their pear brandy is really good. I'm not supposed just, to say that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never had any of the spirits. The so, pear brandy is yeah. amazing. Cool. Yeah, I like pear, <laughs> and I like brandy. There you go. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, so th- this is your big scoop. Um, the new owners, Caitlin and Chris, owners of Vivacity Spirits. Vivacity purchased- Spirits. Okay. Vivacity Spirits. That's a good name. I kind of like that. I was thinking about talking shit about the name, but mm-hmm. it's it it rolls off the tongue pretty nicely. Yeah, I like they it. were originally Veracity, and then they got no. sued by someone, and now they're Vivacity. I like Vivacity uh, better. I do too. Yeah. I do too. And their native gin is one of the best gin and tonic gins on the goddamn planet send so it to, send it to me please. that's pretty much all i needed to know prior okay. to going business with them yeah uh, so they they purchased Kalapuya brewing in albany and okay. Kalapuya has been off the radar for a long time i can't uh, help but laugh at that name bro every time is that the river somewhere up in by it's you, the right? yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it's actually the Kalapuya river is like one mile that way of course it is so now you know where it is uh Poo. So they just bought this brewery yeah. and, you know, their expertise is with spirits. Mm-hmm. So basically we went from the first phone call. I, I called up Caitlin from Vivacity and now Kalapuya and said, Hey, I've got this really fucking sweet brew house. You've got a building. Mm-hmm. Do you think we might be able to work something out? Yeah. And, and we had a, a basic handshake agreement within three days. So, so here's the mm-hmm. thing about you. And you should know this by now. When you have yeah, a handshake uh-huh. agreement, didn't have, didn't, didn't, you get didn't have an option, buddy. <laughs> you get raked over the coals. So, uh, so moving forward in your business yeah. relationships, how do you prevent yourself from making mistakes that have gotten you in this place in the first place? Well, I'm going to call one, you I got kind of character references, uh, okay, and business references, and number two, okay. the handshake deal has morphed into a contract. Um, yeah, but aren't aren't you a little bit? Aren't you? a little gun shy at this point or, or are you just so like, I didn't have time to be okay. I, I had 21 days to move a brewery. You're the golden so, retriever of brewers. Yeah. I feel like here's the deal. Uh, if it doesn't work out with the alternating proprietorship in that spot, okay. I still get paid for my equipment. That and sounds pretty the good. only option I had other than finding a new spot was to sell off all of our equipment. So either way, I, the worst possible outcome is at least preserved the best worst, if you will. Okay. Um, however, that's not what we're hoping for. <laughs> no, of course what not. We're right. Hoping for <laughs> right. is uh, basically we're setting up an AP. Okay. So I get a couple days a week in the brew house. They get a couple days a week in the brew house. Shared I'm able custody. To produce, what was that? Shared custody of the equipment. Yeah. yeah okay. I, I get to produce my product. And also part of the deal is that I'm kind of uh, helping them train some new hires in order to, really streamline their SOPs and take their beer to a new level. So I, I'm not by any means the brewer at Kalapuya. I'm not writing recipes, but what I am doing is training their staff 
uh, how to make consistent world-class beer on my equipment. Yeah. And in exchange, they've stored my shit for a little over a month now, and we should be getting our AP going very quickly. And my hope is to be producing beer for this contract brand and potentially another in-house label uh, within wow. God willing four weeks. So the, the contract brand that you did that cream ale for. Yes. They're still on cream ale adjacent. They're still on board. Yes. Through all of this. Can you You're say correct. who it is? Nope. Okay. Well, when you do, please let us know because that's the kind of people, those are the kind of people that we want to support yeah, in the industry. And, and you guys will get the scoop. Absolutely. Okay. I can say it, it's a local producer that uh, we, can you hear my dogs yes, barking Yes, of right course now? I can. Of yeah. course, yeah. because they're dogs. 20, 20 you know, seconds. My cat's 20, been sitting here for 20 minutes. Seconds. It hasn't said a word. Right. And your dogs are already interrupting the greatest show of my entire life. Okay. I'm getting you. All right, they're good now. All right. So, uh, yeah, local producer, uh, you will definitely know them. Okay. Um, and they are a company that I'm can proud I, to proud to work with. Can I uh, guess? No. Okay. All right. I mean, you can, but I'm not going to give you're you You're not going to say either way. All right. All yeah. Right. It's not Sam Adams. It's Widmer. <laughs> Shit. Hell yeah. Man, if, if, it, if there's anything that I've ever missed in my entire life, it's a very clean, clear Hefeweizen. Clear? Yeah, didn't weren't there weren't there hefts like super just clear or was that pyramid I'm thinking of? No, that was pyramid. They did the crystal Weizen. Well, the Amer but like I, I guess I'm referring to more of the American half of Weizen style. Where yeah, it was like yeah. let's clarify this. Yeah, Widmer's was always. <laughs> and then here we are, twenty muddy. years later. Yeah, all right. Well, that delicious alt yeast. I love it. Um, okay, so you're so you're on board. So you have a potential revenue stream to help out. Yeah, what? I hung our auger today, so the brew house is fully in position. Uh, okay. We're just waiting on contractors to get everything plumbed in. Have you had time to reflect on this yet? Like, how does that feel? Have you had time to just sort of, like, have a glass of wine or have a glass of beer and just be like, wow, I made it through the worst possible... I mean, COVID shutting down and people losing their breweries is one thing, but doing all of that and then getting kicked out and having to restart somewhere else is a whole different fucking bottle of wa ball of wax. Right. So how do you, have you decompressed no. a little bit or are you still just not I mean, addressing it? So I, uh, I mean, to be completely honest, I, I don't think I can yet. Hmm. Um, you know, I, I took this last Saturday, Sunday off, uh, today, actually yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday was my seventh, wedding anniversary and i'm somehow still married uh so we went camping saturday sunday but you know we've got to spend that time working on us and yeah. our kind of home personal side you know that, that that's the the other part of this equation is this shit isn't easy on my wife yeah i mean it was never her dream to own a brewery or a pub <laughs> uh, right much less right. go through this fucking nightmare. She's never been active in the business other than, you know, small things like running our website and a couple other little things. Mm -hmm. So for her to be dragged through this is honestly, to me, that's the most heartbreaking part. Like, I don't care if I get fucked, but when you drag my wife through it, yeah. that's, yeah. that's hard. And so any, any little semblance of downtime we've been able to take is spent working on us. Because that's, you know, if there's anything I've taken away from this, it's that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep working 80, 90, 100 hours a week when I have to. But 
I'm not going to continue to put my personal relationship on the back burner. That's Absolutely. one thing that I, I am attempting to at least yeah. nurture to some degree throughout this, because without that, I, I got nothing. You got nothing, <laughs> man. No. I mean, especially how everything else has been taken away. Your wife yeah. has just been there through, through everything and God bless as her. Far as, you know, I mean, dealing with what happened, no, because I'm still getting inundated with new things. Uh, you know, last, Last Monday at 4.48 p.m., I got a call from the Corvallis Police Department. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because you're uh-huh. too, ha- you're too that, handsome. Yeah, M- yeah. Mr. Eves filed a police report against me saying that I purposefully vandalized the building and stole their property. And, and the and property... Mr. Eves is the new uh, owner Mike of Eves. the property. Okay. Shout out to Mike. Great okay. guy. He's the building owner slash representative. So he's the only one I really speak to. Okay. Uh, so he was the one who told you that everything would be fine. Yes. And then stabbed you in the back. Yeah, okay. pretty much. Okay. Uh, so he called the cops and told them that I vandalized the building before leaving it and that I stole their equipment. Uh, I still haven't actually been provided with an actual police report. Uh, he did file an insurance claim, which I believe to be completely fraudulent. Uh, but the insurance company, as of the time they called me, didn't actually have a list of what I did. Okay. Uh, All right. They had a few items, uh, one of which was like our uh, you know, fencing for our outdoor seating, which they claimed was not a trade fixture. Because, of course, a mechanic is going to need fencing for their outdoor seating while they're doing oil changes. Okay. So so you took uh, the fencing? The fencing that I purchased with LLC funds. Hell uh, yeah, brother. I would have like left it. I wouldn't have worried about it. But that is... That's a good move. That's a baller move right there. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, all yeah. Our, like our kitchen prep sinks, they claimed were building fixtures, not trade fixtures. I don't know why you need kitchen prep sinks. Okay, for... so a trade fixture, just for dummies like me, a trade yeah. fixture is whatever you so use to operate I, the business. Not yeah, I can take anything that's a trade fixture. I It's specific to my trade. I mm-hmm. paid for it. It's not part of the building. But you can't take like the so, light switches or some shit. Right. Yeah, if I took okay. light switches, if I took the air conditioning unit off the roof. Yeah. That's not a trade fixture. Even or the roof. Board, I'd have to leave that. Sure. But, you know, things like a walk-in beer cooler that I paid for, that is specific to brewery, restaurant, et cetera, operations, things like outdoor fencing, uh, you know, prep sinks, uh, ovens, deep fryers, stuff like that. Yeah. So basically they're saying that, uh, you know, my gist of it so far, because again, I've, I've received no contact from them. I just got a call from the cops who, by the way, said they thought it was ridiculous and there was no uh, evidence of criminal activity whatsoever. Um, but I, I still don't know what they're claiming. I just know that they're not going to leave me alone. That's that, so weird. So they're, they're, they're using the police department to harass you for yeah. what? You don't have right. anything. You suck uh, as a human being collecting to- shit right like as a as a, as a, an amasser of wealth like that's what we're supposed to be doing right that's like the standard that we're held to in the society is to amass wealth right that's what you're supposed to be doing manage money or invest money or do some shit but you don't have anything you're not good at it you're correct sir you're good yeah, at making beer and you know what uh-huh. i mean and like that's it so what are they trying to get out of you right i i don't know i you know, the only thing I can kind of postulate to, and obviously I can't prove this, and therefore it is not a concrete fact, but only uh, my opinion mm-hmm. would be that since they couldn't legally evict me for non-payment of rent, they're trying to get the rent back without saying it's rent. 
They're they're trying mm. to do whatever they can to get money out of me to make up for those three shutdown months where I couldn't pay rent. Uh, however they can. I mean, outside of that, it just okay. doesn't make any sense. These guys are independently wealthy. They got the building. They already fucked me over once. I just want to be done. Yeah. I, I have no interest in pursuing legal action, but I'm now in a point where if I don't get my lawyer on this, they're trying to put me in jail is what it looks like. Uh, but so, but they're not providing any proof, right? Doesn't the police report have to? So there is actually no police report filed. So the police officer walked through the building, Yeah, said she didn't see any signs of criminal activity. <laughs> Hell she yeah. filed, uh, she told me actually on the phone, she told me she assumed that there would be no report filed because she had no intent to, mm-hmm. because there was no evidence. When I called back, uh, five or six times after waiting in front of the police department for an hour and a half, uh, to no avail, right. she said that she did file the report because he needed a number for the insurance claim, but that the report was merely a summary of what he said. And what I said regarding what he said. That doesn't so sound like a police report. Right. There's no investigation. There are yeah. no criminal charges being pursued by the police department. And they have recommended to Mr. Eves that it appears to be a civil issue. Okay. So he's either trying to just get money from his insurance company or take you to civil court. Well, yeah, he did file a claim against me. He did. For damage. I don't know how much because... Oh. <laughs> uh. David, yeah. Yeah, the call from the insurance company was like, so you, you need to prove that you didn't do this stuff. And I'm like, what stuff? And he's like, well, there's like a fan and like some fences and some sinks. And then like a bunch of other stuff he says happened, but we had, we don't have anything concrete yet. How do you prove like, a how, negative? How do you right, prove how, that you didn't do, I, do that? How do I prove that I didn't do the thing? I don't have any list regarding. I, I don't know. So what are you going to do? How do you fight that? How do you, how do how does somebody in your position fight this? Well, unless one of your listens, listeners is like a, a great lawyer that feels like volunteering pro bono, uh, I basically wait until they try to fuck me the next time, and then I sick my legal team on them, and we're going to have to go after defamation of character and fraudulent insurance claims and fake police reports and all that, because if we don't defend it, yeah, they're going to keep coming after me, so... My goal is to just be done. But if they continue to harass me like this, I'm, I'm going to just have to get the lawyers on it. I and, don't, you know, unfortunately, uh, I have a great legal team, yeah. but they're real fucking expensive. And I'd prefer to not give them any more money if I don't have to. Of course. Well, is that it? Is that where we're at? Is that are we caught up? Sort of, kind of. Yeah. With everything yeah. that you can say. I mean, because I know there's a lot of stuff you cannot say, and I respect sure. that. And I told you before the show yeah. that I'm going to press you on it, but I don't want to do that because I see you're fragile. I, <laughs> I've always been a fragile little buttercup. That's right. Uh, you know, here's the thing, man. Like, I, I've gotten to a point where I can't really get beat down that much more. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is my goal. My goal is over the next two years, I, I want to be done with lawyers, yep. preferably forever. I want to remember what it feels like to be like happy and, and to not have constant anxiety and constant fear about what life is going to look like next day, week, year, whatever. 
Um, and for the time being, I've got Same. this great deal with some awesome folks at Vivacity and Kalapuya, and I'm going to go full bore and try to make that work. And uh, it. Do they know? We, the yes. Vivacity? Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, they know as much as I can talk about, which okay. obviously I, you know, have to go into a new business relationship with. Well, and I think uh, that that's also something we said for your new business partners. Is they're willing sure. to take on your drama? It's like meeting. It's like meeting a, a a a hot chick, although she's not really hot. She's sort of pretty, but she's really nice, and there's a lot of good stuff about her. But there's so much baggage that you know she has a murderous ex boyfriend who just got out of jail or some fucking daytime TV drama shit. That's sort of what it, I, I would feel like. What it would be like to go into business with you? Yeah, I mean, we've built in a lot of redundancies so that this good. arrangement can survive. You know, regardless of what happens to to flat tail, whatever that is, <laughs> quote unquote, uh, still going to have that system, and I'm going <laughs> right. to still have a spot in there operating under that LLC. Yeah. Uh, and you know, yeah, we, we've got both sides protected okay. pretty well, and it's right. obviously everything is you know nothing's known anymore. It's fucking 2020. Sure, they can shut us down again in a week. And that wouldn't surprise me. So, and and so when you produce beer for beer for Flattail, uh, yeah. how are you? How are you making money? Because bars aren't open, right? Or are they? I don't even really know anymore. Who knows anymore? Uh, bars in Oregon are open-ish, but uh, draft business is negligible at best. Okay, so it's not. So, it's not even worth your time to keg the beer. A little bit. A little bit, but not um, really. I mean, basically, if we're doing a 15-barrel batch, I'm planning on 12 barrels of that being packaged. Okay. Whereas before, sure. 15 barrels of that was draft. <laughs> okay. So, you know, we're yeah. we're shifting hard from 100% draft to uh, very package-focused. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. By the way, I found that uh, homebrew. Is it good? Oh, look mm, at you. That's, no. that, that's that label, baby. Yeah, look at that. It's familiar, isn't it? <laughs> Actually, I've never, I don't think I've seen that label. That's a, oh, it didn't explode. Didn't, so that's, didn't you redesign those labels recently, the Kolsch labels? Uh, yeah, this okay. this was about a year and a half old, something like that. See, here's my here's my theory. When, look, doing a hundred and I think seventy four now shows for Doctor Homebrew. This is my theory that's backed by science. Okay, and by science, I mean me being dumb. Any beer that is homebrewed that has the label still intact is inherently contaminated. It's not contaminated. Okay. So I'm 8 out of 10 on this because I've only been wrong one other time from this. Every other time, it's uh, there's something wrong with it. It's kind of kind of soda water. Uh, no flavors. Yeah, it's supposed to be a saison. It's just, I mean, it is beyond bone dry. Like, I got to figure this probably finished below zero Play-Doh, and it's like <laughs> good three plus volumes of carb. Yeah, and it, it just tastes like wheat water. Hell yeah, dude! Malt sodas. Yeah, well, it serves that home brewer right. I mean, if, especially if people knew you're oh, fucked up though. It's clean. <laughs> well, you know, right, well, I mean. There you go. But if people knew your your circumstances, man, I feel like um, I don't know. And and you know when you when you made that that Facebook post and 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 you know whatever happened, you started getting you know some traction and some other like beer blogs posted about you, and you were on Worst Beer Blog, which shouts out to Worst Beer Blog. 
and you know, I commented on there. I was like, the last the the last person that deserves to be kicked through the mud is Dave, and I I mean that with all sincerity because you know you you make great beer, you win GABF medals, and nobody cares. You brew yeah. solid beers, no one gives a shit. You make great food at the spot. But there's something like there's something going on, and I don't know what it is, but you you keep coming back every time, and you stay in it, and you love it, and you are whenever I think of in the beer industry, whenever I think of the the passion for the industry, you know, the BA likes to say passion for the craft. Maybe maybe they don't. Maybe it's fucking ballast point. I don't know. I'm conflating everything. But when people say that, like there's passion in the industry you're the face that pops into my head because you are the only person, and I mean this dearly and sincerely, you're the only person that I know that has been through all of the shit that you've been through and you still make great beer and you still come to work every day and you still do this. You haven't given up and become a welder or some shit like that. Nobody else can say that. And so and I don't know what that means necessarily, but but you're the sort of the heartbeat. You're the the mascot. I in my mind, whenever I think of craft beer, I think of I think of your stupid face, your misaligned face, your 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 your, your tangential features. Mm-hmm. Keep it coming. Yeah. Thank you, man. Um, I don't know, know if that's I... a good thing. I, I'm <laughs> just I don't know, but. But that's but that's you, and and you don't deserve any of this. Nobody does. But of all the people that have tried to give back and try to be positive about it and keep going, moving forward, keep kicking that can down the road, uh, this the fucking sucks, man. And and I'm glad we could finally talk about it after a couple of months of of even first hearing about it. Um, it sucks, and I just I, I I wish there was more that we could do. And and please keep us updated. Please let me know how we can spread the word or if, if whatever we need to do, I don't know. How can people get a hold of you if they have advice? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe somebody does want to take pro bono. Maybe, uh, you know, I don't know. Dave at flattailbrewing.com. Okay. That's still operational. Still the domain. Okay. <laughs> okay. Great. All right. You know, dude, there, there was a, there was a period, um, of substance, after this all started going down where I honest to God never thought I would make beer again. Uh, you know, I, I told Emma that, you know, I, I just want to work at a gas station. Yeah. I, I just want to work at an REI. I just want to work somewhere. Selling fucking slim gyms and, uh, yeah. you know, monster energy drinks to people. Yeah. Cause who gives a shit, you know? And, and a big part of that was what you were talking about. You know, when it took us a year to sell, a GABF gold medal American sour that you could buy for five ninety nine and a twenty two. That's when it when it took us a year to sell that batch. I was like, why do I keep doing this? And we had that you know, conversation. We yeah. literally had this specific conversation about that specific beer that yeah. nobody, not that nobody cared, but it's almost like the metals didn't weigh as much anymore. And I think a lot of that honestly had to do with the image of the brand. You know, I, I wasn't the one that set the pub up. I wasn't the one that set up the original, this is what this brewery is going to look like. And in 2010, a sports pub that made crazy experimental sour beers, it kind of made sense because in 2010, not everyone drank craft beer, even in Oregon. So we came in with, with the thought, well, I came in to make the beer. 
they came in with a thought that was, let's have this traditional college themed sports pub to draw on, you know, the normies. Mm -hmm. And uh, then you make this crazy beer and we'll get both crowds and it's going to be awesome. Well, flash forward to 2013 and over half of all draft beer consumed in Oregon is brewed by independent brewers. So that business model just didn't work. People walked in, you know, Oh, I want to try this world-class sour beer. And they see this sports pub with beaver paraphernalia all over. And they're like, the fuck is this? (laughs) Right. And yeah. And likewise, you know, some fucking beaver fan that's been drinking quarters light their whole goddamn life walks in. They're like, kumquat sour. (laughs) It just became dissonant. You know, our, our whole image was dissonant. You had this radical experimental brewing image with this classic sportsy divey bar in the background and it didn't work so if there's anything that i'm positive about that i'm actually kind of excited about in this shit show of a life it's that this time around i'm going to have an input on what my brand looks like yes Yes, brother. I'm really excited about that. I mean, I think that sort of makes sense for your, because your marketing was sort of in your face also. Yeah. Which sort of matched the college kind of aspect of things. But as tastes evolved in the craft beer industry, you kind of have to evolve that too. But if your anchor is sort of in that sports bar, because, you know, people listening, remember Corvallis is, is a sports, college sports town where you have three colleges or some shit in that town. One? I thought you had three schools in that town. Yeah, just Oregon just the one? Yeah. Well, I'm stupid. Um, you vote Eugene down the road. <laughs> well, whatever. Who cares then? Fucking one. All right. Out of our 60,000 residents, half of those are college students. There you go. Right. So you do sort of have to cater to them to yeah. bring in the foot traffic, but your draft stuff, maybe that's that's different, and you have to be able to pivot. And it seems like it seems like you were handcuffed a little bit, but now maybe you won't be. That's the hope. It, it, it seems that you're a little more free to do shit. And I love that. Well, you know, I mean, got to get radical at this point, right? <laughs> right. What the fuck uh, else do I do? God, man. I don't know. I don't know, Dave, but uh, I appreciate you taking the time, man. I know it's not easy. I appreciate you having me. Um, it's not uh, It's not what you want to be doing, but... Um, I don't know. I, th- I think it's important to get that story out because it's, you know, in the, the industry right now is laying off a ton of people. Uh, the BA is laying off people. Breweries are laying off people. All this kind of shit. Some are working skeleton crews like Teresa's place and, and Sully's place sure. and 2-1-A and all that kind of shit. But the you can't blame everything on COVID. It's not just that. Sometimes shit just fucking happens. Yeah. And mixed with COVID, it makes it worse. So I wanted to know how you how you deal with that and it sounds like you can't lean on uh, as heavily lean on antidepressants as i would have assumed but you, you you're you're making it through somehow and um i appreciate that i appreciate you appreciating it. thanks man yeah i appreciate that um you know i i, I do have to throw in one last thing because yeah. i know you're you're shooing me out here uh real quick i did have to cancel this year's highway to health fundraiser okay which, yeah 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 which was also that's you that's your acdc cover band right when you play yep. okay mm-hmm. right. absolutely 
Uh, so the band couldn't get back together for <laughs> okay, May, May 1st. Yeah. Uh, and it likely will not be able to happen again until hopefully 2021 because okay. right, you know, 90% of our donors were independent craft breweries mm. and I, I just can't go knocking on doors asking for money from independent craft brewers right now. That's not no. right. Yeah. The whole so, industry is yes shrunk. I, I want to assure people that this project is not done. It's coming back. We raised $30,000 in three years. We will continue to raise at least 10 grand a year going forward. As soon as I feel comfortable asking people for money again, if you are just rich as fuck and you don't give two shits, <laughs> National Brain Tumor Society, please uh, shoot me an email at Highway to Health Fundraiser. Yeah. at gmail.com highway to health that's t-o health fundraiser at gmail.com and i will take all of your money yeah. um also nick the new assistant brewer at uh, calipuya i think he's watching so uh fuck you nick <laughs> um, there we go thanks for tuning in. <laughs> hope you enjoyed the show buddy <laughs> He's like, oh my god, he's filling out his uh, resume right now. He's looking on pro. Oh, there's going to be an HR complaint first thing tomorrow. <laughs> Thankfully, I, I think I'm HR too, so you know, I get. Hey, you got a promotion. That's yeah. good, man. Congratulations. All right, well, I think we're going to get out of here. Uh, Chris Rogers in the chat wants you to uh, just brew twelve barrels of Little Green. Uh, your uh, your your what, is, what was it? Saison slash session IPA. Yeah, the dry hop session saison. Yeah, which is so good. Right before session and saison became unilateral Irrelevant. death in the fucking craft beer community. <laughs> I did that. Yeah, you I did. did that. Congratulations, brother. That's the yeah. story I always tell. Where like you had saison <laughs> and then you changed the session IPA and your sales fucking went through the not through yeah. the roof, but they. Well, I didn't. Bar owners just started calling it a Belgian IPA, and they yeah. were like, "Yeah, sales tripled. Everyone loves it now." Uh, Jacob great. at Common Fields, the guy who helped me, helped me, helped me sell all of our napkins and shit that we had left over. Yeah, uh, he actually prior to us getting kicked out had offered to buy an entire batch of little green so that he could be the exclusive proprietor of that beer in Oregon. So that offer is still on the table as soon as they're able, able to open. So Chris Damn. can go chug some little green at common fields uh, okay. as soon as they're able to serve beer and I'm able to brew it. It's, it, it look, it's a fantastic beer. So get, do me a favor before we wrap it up, give me some shouts out people who helped you through this yeah because you're Uh, you're you're uh, the unofficial brewcaster in my opinion your family i want to be able to tell people to help support the people who helped you through this fucking bullshit so so i'm gonna forget a bunch of people uh so my apologies to those people in advance uh my brain it's it's hard right now yeah so first and foremost yeah charlie uh at allegory i i think he he's probably listening to this right now i think he uh, might actually be available for hire and uh you know charlie when i first met him he was brewing at sasquatch and he was this little fucking dipshit who thought he made awesome beer because he homebrewed twice in his mom's garage and then by the end of his tenure at sasquatch he was doing he was making beer that got noticed enough to get him a job at logston the year they got a GABF medal for, I think, passion bread or something like that. And I always fucking get this wrong. So he's probably flipping out right now. Uh, the, and then he not, got that's what it's it's the wrong medal. It wasn't that competition. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, yeah, I hate and that. Then I hate he got hired at, at Yahats on the coast and he built that whole beer program and the stuff that he was brewing on this dinky little seven barrel system in Yahats, Oregon, you know, they, their bumper sticker could have been where the fuck is Yahats? Yeah, for sure. And he's making world class sours, exceptional lagers, great IPAs. The kid is a fucking phenom and he deserves to brew somewhere that makes him happy that can utilize his talents. So Wherever he ends up, uh, if you're a prospective brewery entrepreneur and you're looking for a brewer in Oregon, give give Charlie Van Meter a call because the dude knows his shit and he's truly one of the best brewers on the West Coast right now, bar none. Um, Jacob Oliver just started Common Fields, uh, 100% independent beer. Uh, and uh, they've got multiple food carts he runs kalamata bistro so focused on kind of greek style foods their lamb heroes are the shit um it's gyro fuck you yeah their lamb gyros are delicious man i'm a motherfucking lamb hero with szechuan sauce uh i'm sorry a lamb gyro with szechuan no i just made that up to piss you off oh no because it sounds fucking great oh well it is yeah okay uh steven and dan at Cold Fire Brewing, always a huge help, uh, not just buying my equipment, but also being, you know, the proverbial shoulder to cry on industry mm-hmm. info. Uh, I, I think two towns every time I have to thank someone because Lee it's contract. In, in yeah. particular are, are just, they've given me advice from the day that they were making cider in 50-gallon plastic tanks and we were their first draft account. You know, so I've gotten to grow up with those boys, and now that they've far outpaced my wildest dreams of success, etc., it's like having you know Elon Musk's cell phone number if you were in the business of smoking pot and making electric cars. You ever uh, smoked MDMA, bro? I haven't, yeah. but I feel like I should. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, and then all of our employees, Jim's in. Thank you so much, Jim. I, I wouldn't be here without Jim, Kyle, George. Um, you're, Jackie, you're just uh, picking out names because these are just like I, the most common I, names. I, these are the I most organ well, names I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> uh, Gianna, thank you oh, for okay. doing the GoFundMe. I know that it wasn't quite as successful as you hoped, but I was able to pay Jim because Gianna did a GoFundMe. There was a GoFundMe? Yeah, we got like a thousand bucks. See, that's the thing that you send to us so we can promote it. Well, I didn't make it. Yeah, but, but still, I had no yeah, idea. I had no idea. Something like that. Bro. Uh, Okay, anyway, go ahead. Oh, and Nathan at Tiny Smart House. That was another huge player. And, of course, Chris and Caitlin at Kalapuya because they've been storing my shit for a month. Uh, and, we're you know, this whole partnership, this whole moving forward wouldn't be possible without them. And, uh, yeah, that's the concise list. I'm I'm probably going to regret, like, 15 names as soon as we hang yeah, out. Yeah, probably. That's what happens, man. But that's fine. That's fine. Well, Dave, I'm, I'm glad. It sounds like you're sort of picking yourself up and I and I'm happy about that. Well, I'm happy yeah. that you're happy. Thanks, and brother. I'm a little happy. Thanks, man. Enjoy that Kolsch okay. or the uh, the saison that you have or whatever. You know, yeah. Sorry, I saw the label perfect. and I assumed it was a Kolsch. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Dave. Well, look, man. With that, I think we're gonna get out of here. All oh. right. This has been the session. We've been listening to Dave from Flat Tail Brewing. Uh, you know, extol the virtues of handshake deals and uh, non-binding contractual agreements with uh, landlords and various people in power. Wait, 
Go fuck yourself, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, really. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks for everybody for listening. Um, if you want to uh, obviously get more content like this, we have a bunch of shows. Uh, we just released two Dr. Homebrews with videos. So uh, we put the videos up on YouTube. That's the way the Zoom is sort of going right now. That's the way this uh, sort of social distancing, quarantine, uh, lockdown. I don't even know what the fuck we're doing anymore. Who knows when it's going to be over. But uh, a lot of fun content is coming through from Zoom and stuff like that. So if you're listening to this via podcast, go and check out uh, our YouTube channel because this will be up here shortly. And then you can see Dave. Um, look a lot um, weirder than you've ever imagined. Actually, I like the sort of long hair. You like my lines, man? My yeah, yeah. You look sort of like Jared uh, Jared Padalecki from Supernatural, man. Soon to be. I don't from, know who that or what that show is, but uh, he just got cast in the new uh, Walker Texas Ranger. Jared Padalecki. Yeah. Um, uh, God, he was in. Uh, was that show anyway whatever it doesn't matter anyway supernatural great show it's on netflix if you have time you have a lot of time on your hands probably you should yeah. watch it it's really good i'll watch it tonight while i'm not sleeping thanks man <laughs> all right uh thanks a lot everybody and uh we'll see you later huh does great as his charity